Some things only God can do. In the bottom of the pit where his brothers threw him, Joseph saw God's divine guidance and care, his providence. When Joseph was sold to Potiphar as a slave, then thrown into prison, God was already working for his good. When dreams made the Pharaoh restless, God put Joseph in front of him. When all hope seemed lost, God redeemed Joseph's story for his good and his glory. There is only one who can do any of this. Only God. Anybody ready for Easter? Two people? Anybody ready for Easter egg hunt? Just kidding. Some of you now are mad at me that I said that. Easter egg basket, nothing. Anyway. Allison and I believe in the next generation like crazy. Why do I say that? If you could do me a huge favor this morning, and if you receive Jesus before the age of 18, can you stand for me? Y'all can have a seat. Reason why I did that this morning is to remind us, I have it in my office, 80 to 85% of students who receive Jesus do so before the age of 18. So there's, the, there's ever a time that we should pour into the next generation, fight for the next generation, it's now. So I thank you, church, from the bottom of my heart for pouring into the next generation, allowing them to run a camera, to get up here and sing, Man, I just love to see the energy that even comes from some of you when you see them dance and sing. It is such an encouragement to my heart. I'm thankful to be a part of a church uh, that believes in the next generation. Well, I'm gonna see if you've been paying attention over the last several weeks or not. I'm gonna quiz you. Who have we been talking about over the last several weeks on three? Tell me, one, two, three. Nobody said Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. Some of you are like, I, I wasn't here. Just go with Jesus. We have been talking about Joseph. Did Joseph go through anything? You're still awake? Joseph went through some things. We've learned this. Let me ask you all this. Have you gone through anything? couple of you are still with me. Get you out for lunch here in a second. For those of you who are like, I can't remember if I've been through anything or not. Believe it or not, three years ago around this time, around March 11th, they began to shut down some things. They stopped March Madness. It was a tragedy. It was horrible, absolutely horrible. But we began to go through this thing that they would call COVID-19. Anybody remember that three years ago? Can you believe it's been three years? 
three years. Some of you are like, praise God. But some of you are still dealing with maybe the ramifications of COVID-19. Because what came from COVID-19 is maybe some of you were in your house for a long period of time. And some of you mothers became teachers, which was not a good thing, right? (laughs) It's not good in our house, I'll just say that, it wasn't. We did not enjoy being homeschool parents. Those of you homeschool parents, I love y'all from the bottom of my heart. Y'all are rock stars. You truly are. But many parents became homeschool teachers. Some people actually lost their jobs. Some people even lost their lives. Like there was a lot of evil that happened because of COVID-19. But there was also a lot of positive, a lot of good that came from COVID-19. Does anybody agree with me on that? See, some of you are like, I don't know whether to agree with you or not because some of you got the chance to spend more time with your spouse and you didn't know if you liked that or not. (laughs) Or some of you got the opportunity to spend more time with your kids, you don't know if you liked that or not. But marriages maybe came together because of COVID-19, they were given more attention. Maybe families came together more because they were able to have family meals together that maybe they're running around like crazy, not able to have family meals anymore. Even where I came from, there was a restaurant that was open seven days a week, and out of COVID, they decided that they needed to go to church, so they decided to close the restaurant on Sunday so that they can attend church. If you truly reflect on COVID-19, there were a lot of great things that happened because of it. Yes, a lot of tragedy, but a lot of good that came from it. And if there's one point that I want you to remember this morning as we're about to conclude the story of Joseph, is this one point. If you fall asleep, you don't remember anything that I said from here on out, is this, God brings good out of evil. God brings good out of evil. Because there was a lot of evil that Joseph endured, a lot of evil that Joseph went through. Went through a lot, hated by his brothers, his brothers were jealous. He was thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, ended up being falsely accused, was in prison like 13 years. All this stuff happened to Joseph, these unexpected evils happened to Joseph, like he found himself in this situation. Many of you are in this situation. Many of you will eventually at one point in your life go through this because we will encounter evil in our world, but I'm here to tell you that there is good that God brings out of evil. He does. Can you cling to that truth this morning? The first point that I wanna make is God hasn't stopped being in control. Do we realize through the story of Joseph, do we realize through our story that God is writing is God has not stopped being in control? Do we realize that God is still the boss? He's still in charge. He is still on his throne. Our God has not stopped being in control. But are any of you like me and you like being in control? 
Anybody like being in control? Yes. So when things happen to you, you're like, I can't control that. You maybe can't control it, but you can control how you respond to it. See, Joseph could, res- could control how he responded to the situation or what happened to him. But a lot of times we love being in control. But listen, when things happen to us, we need to cling to the one who is in control. When life seems out of control, can we cling to the one that is in control? Because I'm here to tell you, everything that may happen is still under God's control and sovereignty. Everything. Do you realize when it comes to God, what happened to you isn't an accident, but it's just an incident? So you might look at it as an accident, but it's just an incident. Like God wasn't like caught off guard, like, whoa, where did COVID-19 come from? Whoa, like, where did that come from? Like, God's not caught off guard. Like, God's in control, understood. God knew where Joseph would be at each point. And I really believe with all my heart, Joseph knew that, hey, God was still in control. He's still in control over the tiny, tiniest details of your life. We have a God who notices, who sees Every single thing. He knows a bird before it falls. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Like our God is in control. I just want to get that out of the way up front before we open up the last chapter of Genesis chapter 50. Can y'all walk away with that? Hey, my God is still in control. I can be still and know that he's God. He has not changed. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. My God is in control. So as you turn to Genesis chapter 50, this morning, can you tell your neighbor, hey, God is still in control? If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Genesis chapter 50. We are putting a book in on the life of Joseph after learning the various things that he has gone through. Man, if there's anybody who can model our lives after, it's Joseph. Genesis chapter 50, basically the last words, the last story, the last scenario that we get of Joseph right here. Genesis chapter 50, starting in verse 15, this is what it says. When Joseph's brother saw that their father was dead, Joseph's dad has just got through dying. After he's already been through so much, his dad dies. Man, he's already been through the ringer, and now your dad dies. Many of you have experienced that. After all you've been through, you've lost a parent. Joseph's brothers are thinking this. They said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Brothers are thinking, man, we we threw him in this pit. We sold him into slavery. Uh Uh-oh, dad is dead. What if Joseph really decides to get us back? They're worried. They're scared. So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to, here it is, forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they have committed in treating you so badly. 
Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God of your father. When their message came to him, here it is, Joseph wept. Torn up, his dad died, he just got this message, forgive. His brothers then came, threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. They're terrified. They fall before Joseph. Hey, we're your slaves. We're your slaves. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? He's like, I'm not on the throne. God's still on the throne. Listen, God is still in charge. I am not in the place of God. I never have been, never want to be. Verse 20, and this is what I want to highlight today. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. Like he, there's like a don't be afraid sandwich right there in your Bible. Like if someone repeats something, like you really need to underline it, circle it, because he says in verse 19 to comfort them, to encourage them, don't be afraid. He concludes with don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. It's going from generation to generation because of the choice that Joseph is deciding to do when he could do something else. He has this perspective in it all. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He assured them and spoke kindly to them. See, Joseph understands that God is in control. He hasn't stopped being in control. And here's my second point. God hasn't stopped being good. God hasn't stopped being good. Joseph, after being mistreated by his brothers, after being in prison, after going through so much, he knows that God hasn't stopped being good. He hasn't stopped being good because of his response to his brothers. We're gonna see this. If you know God hasn't stopped being good to you in the situation that you're in, you're gonna respond in a different light. You're gonna respond in a different manner. You're gonna respond in a different way. You're not gonna respond how everybody else would respond. You're gonna respond with how God wants you to respond. We cannot doubt his goodness just because there's bad around us. Don't doubt his goodness just because there's bad around you. We learn even from the beginning of the book of Genesis that the enemy loves to get you to try to doubt God's goodness. Like God hasn't stopped being good to you. Like God's not holding out on you just because something unexpected, unintentional, didn't, you didn't see it coming, God is still good. So can you tell your neighbor to make sure they're still awake? Hey, tell them not only is God still in control, tell them God is still good. Life is hard, God is still good. Life is hard, God is still good. Anybody ever go to Chick-fil-A? You need to make sure you go to Chick-fil-A this week. Those of you who are by Lady Lake, shutting down for three months. Joseph wept, I weep, okay? <laughs> what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Make our own food, I guess. Go to Chick-fil-A. Anybody ever gotten a bad meal from Chick-fil-A? Some of y'all say yes. It happens. If it's happened, it was God's sovereign will. 
was, if you ordered a sandwich and you got nuggets, God knew that you were supposed to have nuggets, especially if they were grilled. Just saying. Anyway. But though bad things may happen to you, even at a restaurant you go to, like still Chick-fil-A is still good, right? Some of you are trying to argue with me. I understand. Listen, just because there's bad around you or something may have happened to you, I'm here to tell you God is still good. And can I tell you his goodness is still pursuing you? Just because, like, Joseph found himself in a bad place, bad place, bad situation, bad place, bad place. Listen, I'm here to tell you, through the whole entire thing, God's goodness was still pursuing him. How do I know that? David writes in Psalm 23, verse 6, it says, Surely your goodness, your love slash mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'm here to tell you in this place that you're in right now, like God's goodness is still pursuing you. You might feel like, not again. Like, oh, not again. Like, God, how could you? God, how could you? Listen, God's goodness is still pursuing you. You might feel like badness is pursuing you, but God's goodness is still Pursuing you. Listen, just because there might be badness around you doesn't mean his goodness still isn't pursuing you. God is still good and he only wants what's best for you, he only wants to lavish you with the most abundant life possible found through him. So my question is, when you're in this spot, are you looking around you or are you looking up? When you're in this spot, are you looking around you are you looking up? Because I really believe Joseph was affected by the goodness of God that led him to respond in a way that only he could have responded because he had experienced God's goodness. Because his brothers are scared to death right now, and that's why he has to reassure them two times, don't be afraid. They are scared out of their mind that Joseph is about to lay down the gauntlet, he's about to do something, and Joseph does something that only he could do through God. He chooses to forgive them. See, some of you have been mistreated by family. Been mistreated by family. It's real, it could have happened this week. My question for you is, are you gonna respond the way Jesus would want you to respond with, and that's forgiveness? Are you gonna overcome evil with evil or are you gonna overcome evil with good? Because Joseph decided to respond with goodness rather than more evil. I love what even Luke says in Luke chapter six, 32 through 35. This is what it says and how we're supposed to respond. It says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Verse 33, and if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that, like the normal world does that. Hey, someone good does something to them, they're gonna do something good back. But the world responds, hey, something bad happens, they're gonna respond with bad back. This is what it says, verse 34, if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. Verse 35, Jesus flips the script. But love your enemies. 
do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back, then your reward will be great and you'll be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. You know what Joseph understood as he was in this prison and he has been through all they had been through? He understood this point. Forgiven people, forgive people. Forgiven people, forgive people. Joseph is like, I'm gonna forgive as the Lord has forgiven me. Like there's so many parallels between Jesus and Joseph in this story. Do you realize that um, Judas sold Jesus over some coins? Do you realize that Joseph was sold into slavery? Do you realize that Joseph was thrown into a pit? We're about to celebrate in two weeks that Jesus rose from the grave. Do you realize that Jesus chose to forgive, to forgive us and Joseph is gonna choose to forgive his brothers? Listen, I could go on and on of how many times we see the story of Joseph being pointed to Jesus, but are we going to believe that God is still good and respond with goodness because his goodness is still pursuing us? Because this is what we have to understand, because some of you are still carrying bitterness and anger to someone who's mistreated you. I'm here to tell you, when you forgive others, you're not setting them free, but you're setting yourself free. When you forgive others, you're not setting them free, but you're setting yourself free from carrying that grudge, that hurt, that anger, that bitterness. So God is still in control. God is still good through this whole entire situation. And here's my last point, point three. God hasn't stopped bringing good out of evil. I mentioned it in the beginning, I'm gonna end with it now. God hasn't stopped bringing good out of evil. Verse 20, you intended it to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God wants to bring good out of the situation that you're in. God wants to bring good out of the evil that's been done to you or that you may have experienced. God uses everything and wastes nothing. God uses everything and wastes nothing. Listen, God uses all things for good. God uses all things for good. Many, many of you know this verse by heart, can quote it, can read it, but we know Romans 8, 28 says that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Do you realize that God wants to use it for good? Whatever you might be experiencing, whatever season you're in, whatever season you're going through, onto the next season, God wants to use that season for good. A lot of good could have come from it. But sometimes we're looking at the situation like we're like this, I don't see the good that's gonna come from it, and God wants to bring good from it. He wants to bring good out of the situation. Can you let God bring good out of the situation? Because many of you know this, but it's from a mess that God turns it into a message. It's from a test that God turns it into a testimony. It's from a trial that God turns it into a triumph. Many of you have experienced this and know this. So are you bragging on God through the trial, through what you've gone through? Because we've talked about Joseph, and Joseph has this perspective of, whoa, 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 it's okay, brothers. I just want to let you know what you meant to harm me, God intended it for good. He has this perspective. I'm like, Joseph, how can you have this perspective? And some of you have had this perspective too. 
You have. Maybe you're like me. Sometimes I read the Bible, and I'm like, that happened 2,000 years ago. Like, sometimes it's hard for me to relate to it. Can I be honest with you? But then as I began to reflect on this passage, I realized some of our own church family have gone through things that they've turned for good with the enemy meant for evil. First service, I had the opportunity to brag on a family who sat in the balcony because it was almost 20 years ago, back in 2004, they lost their eight-year-old daughter to a car wreck. They could have had these questions like, Joseph had. They could have been questioning, God, are you still in control? God, are you still good? For the first year was one of the roughest years that they went through of their life, losing their eight-year-old daughter to something unexpected to a car wreck. But you know what they've done almost over the last two decades to honor her life, to bring about good, to be a blessing to their neighborhood, their community. This is what they've done. I'm gonna show you this picture, these lights. Look at these lights. Every single Christmas, they honor her by just decking out their neighborhood, their house with these lights to be a blessing to others, to share her story, They use it for good. They use it to be a message, to share a testimony. And I even love it because even the brother had the opportunity to get up here two months ago and share during homeschool owns the night. So what God is doing in and through their family has used it for good. Many of you have had stories like that. So first service, I brag on this one family, another family that's here presently right now that I've had the opportunity to get to know over the last year that has been even a true friend of mine that I love dearly. Not too long ago, even in his own life, as he was on a motorcycle, he got into an accident, and this was his picture and where he found himself in this accident. just severely hurt. God, can you bring good from this? Like, God, maybe didn't even know if walk again, but because he took care of himself, took care of his body, God began to heal him, and, and through it, God birthed something in and through him that he still does to this day that led a nonprofit organization called Blue Light. I'll show this next page. His name is Jacob McDonald, a guy that I just love to death because you see the light of Jesus. I love how he calls it blue light because I can see this light that just beams through him. But now what he does is he brings life to youth. He wants them to be well, to be healthy because he realized not only God brought him through it, but because he took so good care of his body, he wants the next generation coming up to take care of themselves. So we founded the nonprofit organization of Blue Light. Used it for good. Could have just sat here. Why, God? God, there's bad all around me. God, why did you allow this to happen to me? God, are you still in control? 
But you said, no, 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 God, I know you can turn it for good. God, you can bring good out of evil. Some of you are like, no, 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 but my evil is way worse than their story. Listen, no evil compares to the evil that Jesus went through. Do you realize he took on the greatest form of evil because he didn't just carry my sin, but he carried your sin and the millions and billions of people to the cross. He carried and felt the weight of all of our sin on the cross. And you know how he turned it to the greatest good? He turned a cross into an empty tomb. He turned death into life. He turned an empty tomb so that we could have full life. If there's anybody who can turn around the greatest form of evil to the greatest good, it is Jesus himself, it is God himself. Only God can do it. Can you let God bring good out of your situation? Can you overcome the evil that has happened to you with good? Can we respond like Jesus? Because oftentimes, it's through the greatest breakings that God does some of the greatest blessings. It is through some of the greatest breakings in our life that God does some of the greatest blessings, that he turns something around for good. Some of you are here, let's be honest. God has drawn you here today because you need a relationship with Jesus. You keep running from him. And God wants you to stop running and turn to him today. God wants to use the situation that he's brought you only to be able to look up to him for you to stop running and to respond to the gospel because the greatest good that can come from a trial is salvation. Because we find out even in the story, you intended, God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Here it is, the saving of many lives. Trials and things that happen, God can turn for good, and the greatest good that comes from it is when people's lives are saved because of it. I love this family came to me after first service, and their baby had kidney failure. She was telling me how through the baby having kidney failure and eventually passing away, because of the family's faith and trust in God. Check this out. Nurses and doctors came to know Jesus because of the baby's story. How is your story gonna impact the people around you that you rub shoulders with because the main point that the reason why you're going through what you're going through could be the saving of many lives. What Jesus went through was to save all of our lives. It was to bring us into a relationship with him because we ultimately know this is not our home. The evil that's being done to us is because we live in a broken, fallen world in need of Jesus. So as I leave you with this, this morning, can you believe that God is in control, that God hasn't stopped bringing about good and God is still good? Let's pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Maybe you're here. Maybe one of the biggest reasons that you're here today is that you do not have a relationship with Jesus. Don't have one. 
And you know God keeps trying to get your attention through a trial, through a friend, through somebody. He is just trying to say, hey, come home. And you'd be real with me, you'd be real with him today, and you say, you know what, Hux, I am here. I do not have a relationship with Jesus. I know I need one. I'm tired of running. That's you right where you sit. Would be honest with me just to raise your hand and say, hey, I need a relationship with Jesus. I want to pray for you. Anybody here don't want to miss one hand? Whether you're in the balcony, see that hand. Anybody else? Say, hey, I need a relationship with Jesus. See it. Maybe you're here, you have a relationship with Jesus, but God's trying to bring you back into the fullest relationship with him possible. And you know that this trial that you're walking through is exactly because of that. If that's you, if you could just raise your hand. See those, see them. Maybe you're here and man, you just need prayer through this trial that you would begin to reflect and think like, God, how can I bring good out of this? How can I allow you to use this test, this mess, this trial that I'm in to bring about a message, a testimony that would save lives? And you just want me to pray for you. If that's you, just raise your hand for me. See those hands, I see them, I see them. Jesus, I pray for each and every hand that was raised, whether it was to respond to the gospel, the greatest news on the face of the planet, of that when we were dead in our sin, you came to make us alive in you. Your goodness is meant to lead us to repentance because we realize that you offer what's best. Jesus, I pray that that person would respond to say, hey, I need Jesus this morning. God, I pray for that person who has taken steps, 10 steps, two steps, that God, you would bring them back into the fullest relationship with you today. But God, I pray for that family, for that person who's walking through something. God, that they would think of how they could bring good out of the situation. God, I thank you for what you're gonna do this morning. Pray all these things in the name of Jesus, amen. This morning, you're gonna have an opportunity to respond in two different ways. One is maybe you're gonna respond to how the Lord is speaking to you, whether you need salvation, whether you need to be brought back, you just need prayer. I'm gonna be down front, Sid's gonna be down front, other people are gonna be down front. We would love to pray with you. But another thing that we're gonna do leading up to Easter today is we're gonna reflect, we're gonna think of the cross and the greatest good that Jesus did for us because he couldn't stand the evil of sin. He wanted to pay that price, wanted to pay that penalty for us. But before we take part in communion this morning, I wanna encourage you before you come forward, walk forward and, and grab the elements and I'll be back up to pray over the elements and we'll take them together. In just a second, I'm gonna have you come up I'm gonna have you grab the elements, go back to your seat and just examine your life. Any sin that you need to repent of. If you're here and don't have a relationship with Jesus, I just wanna encourage you maybe to observe, to watch. 
because we do this because we're celebrating what Jesus has done for us. But this morning, I don't know how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, how God is speaking to you, but I wanna invite you to stand to your feet at this moment and respond with how the Holy Spirit is leading you to respond. You can come up, grab the elements, take them back to your seat, or you can respond if you need any prayer. Let's stand and sing. of weakness watching finding me thine all in all Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save. Shall still repeat, cause Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow.
Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. One more time. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. He said, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We know that Jesus is coming back. We know. I'm here to tell you about his first coming, though, when he came and died on a cross. He was buried and rose from the grave. We get to celebrate that in a couple weeks on Easter. We pray that you are inviting someone to come to that service. But this morning, I wanted you to go out with the hope of this song that you could be in the middle of something. You just don't see a victory. We're gonna go out singing the song see a victory. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. This is an invitation that's still extended. So maybe you still need prayer. We're about to sing one last song. Give me one last song. I know I'm hungry too. But give us one last song that we can fix our eyes on Jesus in the midst of what we're going through and believe that we're gonna see a victory, that we're gonna see good come from it. So may I invite you to continue to sing and we'll still be down front if you want to respond. falls and won't prevail Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph oh, My God will never fail No, my God will never fail Cause I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory 
for the battle belongs to you, Lord. Oh, I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Do you believe that he's good this morning? There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. And I'm not backing down from any giant. Cause I know how this story ends. Only God. Yes, I know how this story I'm Come on, church! Victory, I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. You guys help me out on this. Cause you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Cause you turn it for good. You take, come on, come on. Yeah. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. It always has, and it always will. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good, and you turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. I'm gonna see a victory. Come on. Oh, I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. Come on. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Oh, I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Oh, I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna 
Next week, two, three.